we turn to Romans 8, guys. We're going to finish our, our message from last week. Man, what salvation means to me. What a peaceful song. This old life can get pretty oppressive and hard and loud and scary. Uh, but man, our Lord has a peace that passes understanding. Amen. And uh, what, a, what a great song this morning. It's good to be with you this morning and continue to look at our freedom that we have in Christ. We talked about last week the first freedom that was freedom from judgment. Um, and we looked there in uh, the first verse. Go ahead and open that up for us, guys. Uh, this is just kind of a little review of the first one. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. We talked about how we, the law cannot claim us anymore because we are now in Christ. The law cannot condemn you anymore because Jesus Christ stands in your place. And I, I got reading a little bit more this week and kind of looking at that, and there's a thing about double jeopardy that I, I thought was a neat aspect of this. A lot of people think, well, man, I don't know if I can be saved and be saved forever. But, but you know, what, what you're saying is that once I give my heart to Jesus and he, he saves me, then if I lose that, then what you're saying is Christ has to die for all those sins again. He don't have to do that. He died once for all. And so we don't enter into double jeopardy where we're, we're in jeopardy two or three times in our life. We're in jeopardy once. That's when we don't know Jesus. But then when we say, yes, Lord, will you save me? He wipes all that away for all time, which is just amazing. One time that he had to die for the sins of mankind, and he did that completely, and he did that perfectly, and it doesn't have to be redone. It doesn't have to be looked at again. Jesus Christ is in perfection himself. Isn't it great that you can go to a Savior like that? Amen? Freedom from the judgment that he has for us. And then also that the law cannot control you anymore. Now, we can let the law control us by our own free will, but because of Christ, because we are now in him, and remember we talked about what's the secret of being good. The secret of being good is putting ourselves in Christ and letting the Holy Spirit control us and, and, and move us and, and guide us and lead us so that we make the right decisions. If you're like me, when I make the wrong decision, when I sin against God, it's because Todd has taken the reins and decides to do what I want to do. But when I follow the Holy Spirit, you notice what I've noticed? He always leads just the right way and just the right time and in the perfect way. And I don't deal with sin near as much when I'm following the Holy Spirit than when I'm following what Todd wants to do. And I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about there. So it's great to know that. Our number two this morning that we want to continue on, we are freedom from defeat. Uh, man, I tell you, there, there's a lot of defeated people out there. And I think, I think probably as Christians, if we'll all be honest with ourselves a little bit, we tend to get in that spot once in a while where we feel like we've, we've been beat down. We maybe feel like we're, we're defeated. And, and I want you to know that in Christ Jesus, we don't ever have to feel that way anymore. We don't have to feel defeated. We don't have to be discouraged. We don't have to feel like, man, there's just no hope for me because... Now that you are in Christ Jesus, this is what salvation has done for us, as the guy is saying. These are all parts of what salvation does. We kind of think, well, salvation, okay, I've been saved, and now I'm Christ. But, guys, that's an ever-unfolding thing, all right? That's just something every day we learn a little bit more of what God has done for us. We learn a little bit more how it works and, and what God, kind of the bigger picture thing. 
When we get saved, we're our visions about like this. But as we learn more and more about God, it begins to do this and do this and do this. And we go from like a, a 12 inch screen to a, you know, a, a 65 inch screen, a 70 inch screen, because we start seeing as God sees. And we, we realize that, man, there's so much to this being saved. There's so much parts that I don't even claim because I'm just kind of, okay, I got saved. What I do now, there's just so much to this as we look at, we are free from defeat. There's three levels of life we can live at the highest level if we choose to do that. But first of all, the first level is you have not the Spirit, all right? Let's look here in 8. Let's go on down. Those, uh, I'm sorry, go back, I'm sorry. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, all right? You understand that? Before we know Christ, before we are saved, our mind is constantly on what we want, what our flesh desires. And that can be a, a whole variety of things. I'll let you fill in the blank. But it can be a bunch of stuff, all right? Before we know Christ, it's all about me, what I want. I want my needs met. I want me taken care of. And just like we read last week in 7, there was a lot of I, 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 I. It is amazing when the Holy Spirit takes over. We don't think about I anymore. We think about our Savior and Him guiding us. Let's read on. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Now, you've given your heart to Jesus. You've asked Him to come into your life. And now you want to do Jesus-type stuff, all right? You want to do God-type stuff. You, you know when you head down that road and you know that you're heading towards sin, that, that conviction, the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you, grabs a hold of me and says, Todd, you need to stop right there. You need to stop and turn around and come back to me and get close. You remember how we said last week, the closer you can get to God, the better. And so I want, we got to get close. I told the kids today, I said, we have to always be prepared when we step over the boundary. Because we were talking about hospitality to the the center, I mean, hospitality to the believers and non-believers. And I said, the Lord wants us to be a part of a non-believer's life. Jesus, he, he, he showed us that. He modeled that. And the Pharisees didn't like it very much because they said, what are you doing hanging out with the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the shepherds? You, you know, you don't even need to be hanging around them people. And what did Jesus say? It's not the well that needs a doctor, it's the sick. And so God's asked us to cross that line from time to time and befriend and, and show hospitality and show the light to the non-believer, all right? Not that we're any better, but we know Christ. But when you step across that line, you have to have certain boundaries in place to know, I'm going to go this far, but I'm not going to go that far. I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do that. And if you don't know that going in, before you know it, it'll suck you up, all right? And all of a sudden, you could lose your testimony and all kind of things. So when I'm in the flesh, before Christ... I'm dealing with fleshly things. I'm dealing with what I want. But now that the Spirit's here, I have those boundaries. I have those guards in place that when I step too far, if I'm close to God, I've been praying, I've been reading His Word, that little siren's going to go off, and I'm going to realize that I'm getting too far away from God where He can be there for me. Because God, God is there always, but we can tend to go places where that He don't want us to go. And if we don't have those boundaries in place, we'll just keep walking on off because that's where our heart is. We're kind of bent that way. So having the Spirit in us is huge. Number six, the mind governed by the flesh is death. Remember that verse, for the wages of sin are what? Death, okay? So a mind governed by the flesh, all we got to look forward to is eternal punishment and life without Christ forevermore, all right? But what does it say? But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. I just felt that a while ago. If I could use one word as they were singing a while ago, it was peace. 
that, this, that, that music and the words. And then more than that, over on top of all the prettiness of that, was the, the true meaning of the song, this is what salvation has done for me. The peace that it gives. Guys, in a, in a, a crumbled up world, in a world that's just dog eat dog and people bashing people and people killing each other, guys, in the middle of all that chaos, in the middle of all that, is the peace of Christ. And guys, that's the Holy Spirit living in us, giving us that peace. Even then when our life can be kind of turned upside down, we can kind of find our bearings. There was a great, great thought. The problem with most Christians is that we cast our anchor in the boat. Hmm, think about that. Jesse, that won't do much for you when you cast your anchor in the boat, will it? A lot of times as Christians, we cast our anchor in the boat and we're dependent on ourselves to keep us anchored. That won't work. Who must we anchor in? Jesus Christ. You must cast your anchor into Jesus, all right? You must tie yourself off on him. If you've ever been out in a boat, if your anchor can't reach the bottom, it's not gonna, you're just going to continue to drift. But a lot of us cast our anchor into our boat thinking, I can be good enough, I can, I can step up and really do what I need to do, and guys, I've found out that I won't be good enough. It must be what we're talking about here. We must be governed, our mind must be governed by the Spirit. And when we do that, we have life in Christ, and we have peace in Christ. And we have an anchor that's solid. Gary used to sing a song a long time called The Anchor Holds. It holds solid in that. Then we move on to seven. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. Think about that. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Man, that's a big verse. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. How do you please God, Brother Todd? By letting the Holy Spirit guide you. When you try to do it on your own, you will not please God. Because why? Because we're not going to live a godly life. We only live a godly life when the spirit is in control. What did we just read back a couple verses? When the flesh is in control, I go away from God. When the spirit is in control, I go toward God because he pulls me toward God. And look at that. Look at seven one more time. It's hostile to God. You ever, I tell you what, I think Danny told me about this the other day, and, and I think about this a lot too. Next time that you're ready to sin, say, when I sin... That's going to mean that I'm mad at God, that I, I'm ready to battle with him. I'm ready. I don't, I don't believe in what he says. I don't believe in what he has is the best for me. And, and at that moment that you sin, you become hostile to God. You go to war with him, as, as a matter of fact, in, in, your, in your will and in yourself. What else does it say? And it does not submit to God, nor can it do so. When I try to do it on my own, when I cast my anchor in my own boat, those are the things that I face. When I cast my anchor in Christ, then I can hold solid. The anchor holds and grips the solid rock. And so we know that in Christ. The second level in 9-11 is you have the Spirit. So that's what it's like being not saved. We see that, the difference. Now the second level of this freedom from defeat is that we, you have the Spirit. You, however, and he just talked about that's what it's like without Christ, but now he's going to talk to the Christian. Now, he's going to talk to those that have given their heart to Jesus. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. That sounds good, doesn't it? Because we've just seen living in the flesh is not good. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Think about, think about your life. Is it a hostile life? 
is it a controversial life? Is it, a, is it a, a, at odds with somebody all the time? Is it, is it nothing about God during the week? Is, does God creep into your life at all during the week? You know, you look at these things, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they don't belong to him. Man, that's kind of eye-opening. You know, we can stand here, I can stand here all day and say, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. But guys, listen to me. If that fruit don't make itself present in your life, you're just giving that lip service. You're just kind of talking yourself into being a Christian. Guys, listen, you can't claim being a Christian and then never live for Christ. It, do, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. If you are truly his, he is going to pop out all over you. I love the little thing I've used this before, a little kindergartner. You know, he said, the, 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 the leader, his Sunday school teacher said, you've got to have Christ come into your heart. He said, well, teacher, my heart's so little. If I had Jesus in there, he'd just bust out all over. And that's what we need. We need Jesus to bust out all over in our life. That when people see us, they see Jesus. Because he said, if that's not happening, you don't belong to me. Boy, that's an eye-opener. Look at your life, guys. Only you can judge that. And I'm telling you, we, other people can see it, too. We're not so quick to come up and say, uh, you're not living for Christ. You know, we don't do that very often. But, but it, it's seen. It's seen. Let's read on 10. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. We're all, I don't want to say this, I know it hurts your feelings, but we're all going to die someday. Unless Jesus Christ comes back and raptures the church out of here, which I'd, I'd take that, that'd be great. But we're all going to die someday. And even though this old body, this old earthly sinful body, is subject to that death, inside here is a soul that is never going to die. Now, you're going to end up in two places. And there's only two places. You're going to give your heart to Jesus, and you're going to be with him forevermore in eternity. Or you're going to deny him, and you're going to stand before him someday without excuse, and you're going to be confined to eternal punishment forever and ever. So, but if Christ is in you, even, even though your body is going to die, even though you're wasting away, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Because remember what happened when you give your heart to Christ? He made you right. He made you righteous through who? Through Jesus Christ. And if the Spirit of him who raises Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you, man. That's power. We have the same power, the Holy Spirit living in us, that raised Jesus from the dead. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. But I'm not so sure we draw on that power very often. We kind of feel like we're way down here. And guys, I know we're all sinners. But listen to me. When Christ comes into you, he changes you. He gives you power. And the power that's in us, someday we can have eternal life. Someday this old earthly body is going to rise out of the grave. It's going to meet with our new spirit. And it's going to be changed and glorified. And forever we're going to be with Jesus Christ. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. So... The first level was you have not the Spirit. The second level is you have the Spirit. And then let me give you the best level. The Spirit has you. The Spirit has you, all right? 12 through 17. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. 
But it's not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. Man, we just went up a whole nother 25 levels. All right? Think about this, guys. Not only are we saved, not only are we his, we have been adopted into the family. And, it, and it's a different, I don't know if I ever really thought about it this way before, but it, it's really different than being adopted, you know, like, like we adopted, you know, our children. They become ours. They, my name is on their birth certificate. Dana's name is on their birth certificate. It's just like they, we had them, okay? But this one is like you're adopted into an adult position. Because we have to be born, right? We have to be born in this family. How are you born again? All right? What did, John, what did Jesus say to Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John? Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we have to be born into the family, born again. But then he adopts us through the Spirit, and we have all the rights of an adult. We go right from, we don't go with adoption in as a baby. We have all the rights as a, as a full-grown adult. And we can draw on the riches of God, and, and we, can, we can just go right into that and, and enjoy that. A wealth, uh, you know, as you have a baby, they can't speak and talk and, and do all those things. But in Jesus, when he adopts us, we can do all those things through the Spirit that he has given us. There is no reason, guys and gals, for a Christian to live a defeated life. When you think about these things, not only do we have the Spirit, but when we really when we really get down to it and we really sold out to Christ, the Spirit has us. And Christ has made us a part of the family. We have everything. And, and, and he says we're now an heir. Can you imagine being, you know, when we think about, you know, we always kind of get about, oh, I must have had a rich third uncle die and he left me some money, you know, and we always wish that, you know, we need some cash. But you think about being an heir to something, to, to inherit something. And the Bible says when we come into the family of God, we become an heir to all that God has. Think about that just a minute. That will hurt your head, okay? We become an heir. We get to inherit all that God has. Now, if you read the same Bible I do, and I know you do, it says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. What's that saying is he's got it all. And if I'm an heir of that, I got it all. All of a sudden, my little bank account at Bank Corp South don't mean a whole lot because I know Jesus, and I get to inherit that. But he said, and then the other thing that's kind of great to this, he says, you're not only an heir to God, but you're a co-heir with who? With Christ. I, I'm right there by his son. Guys, I, I don't understand that. I don't understand why he'd love me that way. But, but when he looks at me, it's just like his son standing right there beside me, and he looks at us the same. That's amazing. That kind of love. That kind of care. And guys, listen, you stop and think about that a minute. Don't we get caught up in piddly things? Don't we? We get so bent out of shape about piddly things. And guys, we just go on and rant and rave and just blah, 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 you know? 
But just stop for a minute and say, I'm an heir to what God has. I'm a co-heir with his son, Jesus Christ. And I don't have to worry about being defeated. I'm going to live forever with Jesus. I'm going to live in victory. Oh, victory in Jesus. Woo! My Savior forever. Done got the Baptist shouting this morning. Man, this is good. This is good. Mm. Number three, freedom from discouragement. Man, I, I know I know. if you're like me, we, we get discouraged from time to time. It might be our health. It might be our kids. It might be our job. It might be our pocketbook. You know, whatever it is, we're going to, you know, it might be our football team. You know, we're going to get discouraged from time to time. But in Christ Jesus, we are free from discouragement. Hmm. Look at verse 18 through 30. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing what the glory that will be revealed in us. We could just stop right there, all right? Do you have it rough sometime? Everybody nod their head. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Do you go through some very difficult times? Everybody shake their head. I know my brother right here has. Bobby's been through it, and I know this is hard. But Bobby, what he's saying, brother, is what we're going through, what you're going through, is just going to be a drop in the bucket to what our earthly glory is going to be. Can you imagine that, buddy? How good it's going to be. How good it's going to be. Man. He said, he said, I know it's hard. I know it's tough. But it's just a drop in the bucket. Hang in there. It's going to get way better. <laughs> it's going to get really good. What's he say? For the creation waits. We, we look at three groans. It, you know, when we hurt, we groan. You know, my girls go, what you groaning about, Daddy? You know, I'll sit there, Ugh, you know, sitting over in the chair. Mm, what are you groaning about, you know? When we, when we hurt, we groan. Look at these three groans. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation has, was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subject it, and hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation groans. When, when Christ and, and the Father and the, the Holy Spirit, when they created the Garden of Eden, and they, they created man, and the Bible says that the man had everything he could possibly need. Lord, Lord just, God just loaded him up and said, here, you've got everything you need. He gave him a, a beautiful wife. He gave him all this to, to just enjoy and, and to be kind of surveyor over. But then we, we sinned. We did the one thing God asked us not to do. Of all the good we had, he said, there's just one thing, just one thing. Don't you hate that one thing that gets you in trouble all the time? Just that one thing. He said, leave that tree alone right there. And it just ate them alive. It, it just couldn't stand it. And of course, the, Satan got involved, and they bought into that lie and all those things. And all of a sudden, sin came into the world and the earth and weather and creation began to groan. Because, listen, guys, if you've ever had it good, and it gets bad. What do you always long for? The good. You want the good. If you've ever, if you've ever seen perfection, and then you've seen non-perfection, you like perfection. Nature knew, it knows, it knows what it was like to be right. And it groans for that. 
It longs for that. It longs to be made right. And I'm telling you, someday Jesus Christ will make it right. He will make it right. Let's read a little further. We know that the whole creation has begun has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, here's the second groan, we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan inwardly as we await eagerly for the adoption of sonship, the redemptions of our body. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So, nature is groaning. And man is grown. We talk about heaven from time to time. And, and we, try to, we try to give you the best idea of what it's going to be like. You know, no more crying, no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, no more separation. I'm in for that, all right? And, and, and guys, listen, when we give our heart to Jesus, the Bible says we get a little taste of that. The Bible calls that first fruits. All right? And so that was such a moment when we were saved and, and we realized what heaven and what God wanted to do and, and what God has done. And we, we feel the difference of where we were to where we are and, and we get a little bit of taste of the first fruits of what heaven's going to be like. And I'm telling you, it bugs us the rest of our lives. It really does. I want to see heaven. I want to see it made right. I want to see babies quit dying. I want to see... I want to quit losing parents and, and brothers and sisters and children. And, and I want to see people quit fighting each other. And, and I want to see people surrounded God's throne and, and just worshiping. I want to see that. And so we groan. And I think that's why we get discouraged sometimes because we so long for things to be made right. Because inside, deep inside of us, we've tasted that first fruit. And man, it tastes good. And we want some more. And it's coming. It's coming. But what does it say here? Not only so, verse 20, 20, 20, 23 there, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption of sonship, the redemption of our bodies. <laughs> Won't it be great, Bobby, to get up out of bed in the morning, your back don't hurt no more, you know, and, the, you know, the, your uh, sciatica doesn't act up no more, you know, and, and your neck isn't all in it. Guys, listen, when we get to heaven, we ain't going to face that no more. Your hip ain't going to hurt. You don't have to have knee replacements or, or you know, you don't have to wear contacts or glasses or any, anything like that. You're going to be able to see. That's going to be good. For in this hope we are saved. We're looking forward to that. We look forward to them first fruits. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Well, how do you know that's real, Brother Todd? How do you know heaven's really there? You've never seen it. Nope, you're right. I have never seen it. But you know what? I've read enough of this that I believe there's a God. And the Bible says that he shows us every day. If you never read a word of this written word right here, you could walk out. He said you can walk out into nature and realize there is a God. You realize there's a creator. You realize there's a master designer. And if I believe in him, and then all of a sudden this becomes, this starts making sense. This starts falling into place. This, I know he's real. This Bible says that we serve a God that cannot lie. We serve a God that will not tell us a story 
And he's told me that if I put my trust and faith in his son, Jesus Christ, which I believe with all my heart that he actually lived, there's record books outside the Bible that said Jesus lived, that he died. We believe the Bible says that he rose again. Over 500 people saw him alive. And then he ascended into heaven and went back and he's sitting by the Father today, interceding for us. And I believe that he tells me, if I believe in that son, Jesus Christ, that someday I can spend eternity with him. I hadn't seen it. But the hope that I have, guys, is not, boy, I hope it comes true. Like my little girls are doing right now. I hope I get that for Christmas. They don't know if they are or not. But I'm telling you, what I know about our Savior, when I say I hope, I can't wait of the hope that I have in Jesus Christ, we are going to go to heaven if we know Jesus Christ. We're going to be with him. He's going he's to honor everything he's ever said. And so, guys, until then, my body groans. Be waiting to be made whole. To be waiting to be made perfect. I've told you many times, one of the greatest things that I'm looking forward to when I get to heaven is that I don't have to fight with Todd every day. That I don't have to struggle with temptation. And I don't have to sit there and argue with myself not to sin against God. Because I live in this old fleshly body. And someday, guys, that's going to all be tucked away. And I just cannot wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. Then our last groan. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. Think about that. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So creation is groaning. We that have been saved, we, we've had the first fruits. We groan to be made right. And then the Holy Spirit that is living in us groans for us. And I don't know if I ever thought about it in this way before. But it's, it's like the Holy Spirit. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit moves into us. And he's watching us, and he's guiding us, and he's moving us. But if you're like me, sometimes I don't move in accordance to what he wants me to do. It'd be kind of like being two people and just kind of being pulled apart, you know, like, like that, you know? And that, that hurts. But the Spirit is there wanting to guide us and wanting to direct us and wanting us to do right. And when we sin, He groans. He groans because He knows that's not the best thing for us. He groans because He wants us to be made right. He groans because He said, if you'll follow me, I'll show you the best way to live. And he prays for us. He intercedes for us. Jesus, Todd's, he's going AWOL again. He's, he's going against what we want for him. And he, he can't see it right now. He's living in the flesh at this moment. And Jesus, I, I'm lifting him up in prayer. I'm praying for him. And then I'll, not only that, that prayer goes to Christ. And what does Christ do? He intercedes for us 
to the Father. Isn't that amazing? Not only is the Spirit praying for us, but Jesus is praying for us that we would come and be right again and be following the Spirit and doing what He asks us to do. So, as you can see, as a Christian, we have to really get bent out of shape to get away from God and His, His love for us, you know? We've got to really work at this sinning thing. Because we got the Spirit pulling for us. we got Jesus Christ pulling interceding for us. God the Father, you know he loves us because he sent his only son. That's a lot of things to pull against. And that's God Almighty in three. It's really hard. It should be really, really hard to sin if we're really where we need to be with God. He groans for us. We don't have to be discouraged. I know it gets hard. I know it gets difficult. I know there's days you just want to pull the cover over your head and put your head on the pillow. But guys, listen to me. In Jesus Christ, living in the Spirit, we do not have to be discouraged because we know where our hope is, we know what salvation has done for us, and someday we're going to see that in all its glory, and we're going to be, we're going to be unbelievably happy and joyful, and we're going to be in a spot that we never thought was even humanly possible, and it's really not on this world, but when we're Jesus and his new world, his new heaven, and everything that he has coming for us, Guys, we're going to be the happiest people in all of human history. And it won't be just ha-ha happy. It's going to be all the way down deep and just boil out because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. There's freedom in Jesus, amen? There is freedom. And we ain't even got to all four of them yet. It's just, it just gets get, getting gooder and gooder, you know? It's just good. But the freedom that we have in Christ Guys, I want you to know that. I want you to know how many people are pulling for you when you try to walk away. The Spirit, the, the Son, the Father, working together to keep you close because they know that's the safest place in the world for you is right there, guided and moving in the Spirit. Next time you decide to sin, because I think as Christian people, we actually have to decide it. Because if we're close to the Lord, we're going to battle for just a little bit. We really are. But when we decide to walk away from Christ for a moment, just say, how can I do that with all these wonderful, <laughs> with God pulling for me and the Son and the Spirit and Him groaning for me and praying because they groan to us to be made right. They groan because they know that someday they can make us what they want us to be. They groan because they know what we have to go through in death and sickness and heartache in this world. And they groan and they know that it's going to be better someday. And I want you to leave here with that same hope today. That it's going to be better when we get to heaven than we ever dreamed. But also, he said, not only there, we can have an abundant life today until we go to heaven. Because all that is working together for our good. The Spirit, the Son, the Father is working all things together for them that love the Lord. Woohoo! That's good stuff, ain't it? I love you guys. I love telling you about the Lord and how much he loves you. I got the best job in the world. But guys, let's just keep fighting together. Let's keep putting our hope and trust in the right, the right things, and that's Jesus Christ, and letting the Spirit move us. And man, we'll set this town on its ear for Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you.
Lord, we think about how much you care for us, it overwhelms us. And Lord, you just boil out all over us. Lord, thank you for this freedom that we have. Lord, I see so many people that are discouraged and defeated. And Lord, we know in you, we don't have to be that way. And Lord, I know there's still hard days. Lord, help us remember that verse. These momentary troubles are going to be nothing compared to the glory that we have in you. Lord, just, just move in our life, move in this congregation's life. And Lord, let us just be joyful and, and live in this abundant life that we can have right now. People, people that don't know you, Lord, how they, they don't have any hope. And we sat here this morning, those that know you with all the hope in the world. Lord, I pray that there's someone in this congregation this morning that feels discouraged, that feels defeated, that, that knows that they, they don't know you yet. They, they haven't given you their life. Lord, I pray they would do that today. And Lord, I pray if there's a Christian here, I, I know there's many across this room that have just felt the pain lately and they've been through a lot of difficult things and they've been discouraged and Lord, they just get worried about things. And Lord, we're, we're going to do that. But Lord, I pray that it, it just encouraged them a little bit today. I pray they can leave here more encouraged and, and more, more in close in tune to what you have for their life. And Lord, I pray for whatever situation they're going through, Lord, that, that you would just work in that situation and that you would bring all things to good for them. And Lord, I pray that things will be better for them real soon. Thank you for this time, Lord. I just pray that these next few minutes are all yours as we just speak to you individually.